Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Big Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Got to talk some baseball, NBA playoffs, no doubt about it. We'll uh, get into a little bit of basketball action, do our baseball round them up or wrap them up. Coach and the Big Dog with you up until 11 o'clock. And, of course, as per always, we'll jump off the sports page as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely gorgeous day here in the fine city of Chicago. Hope you're enjoying the weather, enjoying the day, wherever your location might be. Let's play a little bit of music, and then we will kick the soon-to-be award-winning show off and running, or at least into a slight jot. Yes, indeed. It's epithelial. It's inspirational. It's apolitical. It is the music of the TalkZone.com. Producer extraordinaire, musical coordinator. He's also our weather and media expert and traffic expert, a jack of all trades. Clearly a master of none. Producer extraordinaire, David Olson. Again, welcome everybody to our Wednesday edition of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Without further Joseph Adu, let me welcome my semi-esteemed partner checking in from... I believe the uh, fine annals of Aurora, Illinois, a wonderful western suburb. If you are out of state and planning to come into the fine state of Illinois, city of Chicago, I highly suggest (laughs) grabbing a brochure from the Aurora Bureau of Tourism. You don't want to miss Aurora in the summertime. How are you, big dog, and how is Aurora? Uh, You know, you can can laugh about Aurora, but (laughs) there's actually a historical tour that they have throughout uh, the city. I tried and to they, get that out with a straight face. But, no, Aurora is a wonderful place. Yeah, I'm sure it is, especially for degenerate gamblers. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> but, actually, they're building this beautiful, uh, like, uh, concert facility right on the river, right next to the train station. I can walk there in, like, half hour. It's mm-hmm. freaking phenomenal, which means it takes me about an hour and 25 minutes to walk home, but that's another issue. Totally, you know, on well, another day. after the concert that you go to and some of the uh, – Items that you might be matriculating into your bloodstream, probably an hour and twenty minute walk would not be a bad thing for you. Know what I'm saying? Well, it, it, it all depends if I can cross Indian Trail Road, coach. That's that's another issue altogether. Yeah, well, very. You know, many people have tried to cross Indian Trail Road. Very few have gotten to the other side. Who or what is Indian Trail Road? Uh, whatever, coach. Let's move on. It's time to. <laughs> I enjoy the taste of Aurora talk. It's a somewhat slow sports day out there. What the heck? Dog and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. Phone lines are open, folks. 888-463-6748. Our phone number. Big dog uh, on the baseball front last night. A tough, tough, tough loss for the Chicago Cub. Boy, that game was, that was like a uh, topsy-turvy, all kinds of storylines throughout the game. But bottom line, no happy ending if you're a Cub fan. Yeah, that was definitely a game of wasted opportunities. There's definitely more times for them to actually score extra runs, and they didn't come through. And there was a 
a couple bright spots in the game. You know, like with Soriano finally get his head out of his butt for like maybe a month and give this team some production. But considering they're not going to win the World Series, I, I really don't care and just have him sit on the bench and let's play somebody younger like a Joe Mather, get him more at-bats or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was definitely a frustrating game as a Cubs fan because uh, you know, I, I'm hoping Rafael Dolis can actually be the closer for the Cubs. It would be nice if they can just find the closer out of their farm system for like two or three years before he gets burnt out on it you know, and fizzles out and can never pitch again. You know, uh, we might fizzle this kid out before he ever you know, becomes a regular major league pitcher the way it looks right now. Uh, a tough game. I, I, anytime you have a chance to take out the short broom against the against the Cardinals, I don't care if it's a two game sweep. It still would have been nice. Hey, we went down there two games, beat you both, and left town. Mm-hmm. I believe That's, they you know, call that. Handsome. Isn't the short broom the little mini thing? The whisk broom. Yeah, it is the whisk yeah. broom. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's got the, uh, as opposed to the wooden end, it's got the metal end, much more painful, Big Dog, as you could possibly attest to. But we almost got the mini sweep as we move right on. Uh, Rafael, well, the bullpen took a beating yesterday, but Rafael Dolis in the ninth inning. Now, he's going to get a, I don't know, if it's a tie game and you give up a run, help me out. Is that a blown save? Uh, no, no, hold on. He, uh, he'll no, get no, the loss. If it was a tie game, it was a loss. Yeah, he'll it get the loss. loss. I apologize. There was no blown yeah, there was no blown yep. saves at all in the game yesterday because uh, when Sean Camp got in, uh, it was a tie game when it started, wasn't it? When Sean Camp was in. Yeah, I don't recall Sean Camp getting in. Was he the first guy to relieve uh, Paul Mahalum? Yeah, life, to life, Mahalum, 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 to life. Life has a way of confusing us. Sorry. Uh, did he come in after Mahalum? Yes, it was Camp and then Dolis yesterday. Well, no, it wasn't. Then tell me who wasn't. It was well. I don't know if Camp got in, but clearly it was Kerry Wood in the seventh, oh, James right. Russell in the eighth, and Rafael Dolis in the ninth. But Dolis gets the loss. The but before, thank you. I'm thinking of the game before. Yes, I, yes, I'm, yes, I appreciate yes. it. Yeah, yeah. The game before Sean Camp. Uh, he doesn't exactly look the part, but he does get the job done. Cub fans, you want to check in? By the way, our phone line, phone uh, lines are open. Phone number eight 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 four six three sixty seven. 48, the point I was trying to make is the guy you're talking about, Dolis, Big Dog, even though he gets the loss, he did not pitch bad. The game-winning hit was basically a routine grounder to second base because of the Cubs' shift. Darwin Barney was out of position, not his fault. You take a gamble, sometimes works, sometimes he doesn't. But mm-hmm. Dolis did not pitch badly. No, no, I, I don't think he did. The only hard-hit ball of the inning was the first hit of the inning, which almost killed him. Did you see the line drive yes. back up the middle? Yes. That was as hard to hit. The, uh, uh, Soriano had a great at-bat, drove a ball to the opposite field for about a, a 385-foot opposite field homer. He didn't hit the ball as hard as yep. uh, the leadoff hitter of the inning did. Yep. Oh, my God. I, I, I think don't know that was Alan, uh, Alan Craig, I believe. Yeah, Alan Craig had a phenomenal game yesterday. Or was it? Might have been Holiday, and Craig was after. It was either Holiday or Craig in that particular. It was the play. left-handed batter that hit it, so mm-hmm. it would have to have been Alan Craig, I'm guessing, right? Nah, it might have been Matt Holiday. It doesn't matter. You're but right. It that definitely thing... wasn't Holiday, Coach. It was a left-handed batter that, that did it, but he did almost kill him, Coach. Yes. Yeah, and you also notice because of the Cubs' defensive shifting, and that's becoming more of a more of a story with the Cubs, they are really going on tendencies of batters and moving players around. The ball almost kills Rafael Dolis, line shot, hit hard like you explained. And the Cub fielder, I don't know if it was Castor or Barney, I forget who, almost was able to make the play diving up the middle because of his positioning. 
Yes, exactly. It was it was like, oh, no. And then yes. <laughs> it was almost an out, out out of the play. You know, it, we so yesterday the, the bad positioning or the odd positioning actually hurt the Cubs. We have to yep. figure out a chart. There's got to be somebody out there who, because we know it won them a game the other day because it was like five line drives right at people that should have been base hits against the Braves. So mm-hmm. do we chalk this one up as a loss because Darwin Barney was in the wrong spot? Yeah. It definitely backfired. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. How detailed, and we uh, go inside the game of baseball here with the man who's played the game of baseball at the highest level, except for high school, college, and pro. Yeah, yeah, because I, I obviously don't know anything about I'm baseball. I'm kidding. I steal that line like over. the atom because it's so <laughs> difficult to know the game. <laughs> let me, well, actually, this one might be, because uh, what I'm going to ask you is, now, we know the tendency of the batter, and they shift the fielders, but. Pitch to pitch, let's say the catcher or the manager wants to throw an outside, you know, pitch on that particular possession or that particular pitch. Mm-hmm. Does the I, I, does Darwin Barney, who's been shifted up the middle, is he aware that the pitch is going to be pitched to the outside, therefore shifting his position where the previous two or three pitches was inside? So, I guess what I'm asking you is, how aware are the fielders, and does the positioning change pitch to pitch? Well, it absolutely is supposed to, but here, here's the issue. Depending on where Darwin Barney or Starling, so only one of them is going to have a look inside of what the catcher is calling now because they're dramatically shifted so oddly. It's not that before both of them would be able to look and then appropriately kind of adjust. Well, now they, the team has to adjust so much. If you're a batter, you got to be like, okay, especially a catcher like uh, Yadier Molina has got to be like, okay, they adjusted that way, so it's got to be this pitch. Yeah, that was my next question. So it's that's exactly what's going on, is these guys have to figure out what the pitch is, and then they have to walk a little bit extra, and the Cubs do even more, because if, if you're out of alignment and then they're pitching, you have to pitch a certain way so they hit into that alignment. Mm-hmm. Well, let's face it, a fastball on the inside, a guy's going to hit a ball totally different than a, dropping a, a curveball on the outside corner. So these guys, they will move dramatically. Yadier Molina knows exactly what's going on. The fact that they would pitch to him in that situation was a very dumb mistake. And honestly, I don't care about tendency. Molina is a ridiculously good hitter when the game is on the line. He's one of those guys where he just looks at the situation. What do the Cardinals need to win? Oh, okay, there's a runner at second. If I just get a base hit, we win the ball game. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, there's a gigantic hole on the right side. I'm just going to turn my body and just try to hit a ground ball, it's pretty simple. It's the, probably the most simple thing you can do is hit a ground ball to the opposite side of an infield for a, for a player. That's the, the easiest thing in baseball to do as a hitter. Well, guess what? That's all he had to do yesterday, and he did it. That, that's, there's some people you don't tempt fate with. I'm not just picking on Alfonso Soriano. No matter what the situation is, he has no clue. So you can play a switch. If they could, the Cubs could be... Down four, up two, it doesn't make any difference. You can just play. But Yadier Molina understands the game. You can't risk any type of situation where you give him an easy out to win the game, which would just been a ground ball to the right side coach. Big Dog's talking about the situation. Two outs, runner on second, game-winning run on second. So the book would say the obvious logic is you walk the batter, you set up a force at any base. The walk, obviously. No, no, not the force. Not the, it does, it, it's the, it, since it's two outs, you just need the ground ball. Well, I understand, you but, know, but you it's... You don't need a double play or anything. The whole, you're facing Yadier Molina, and you got a freaking rookie on deck. 
But part of it, it's a small part of it, but part of it is you do create a force at, at any base. Well, There's yeah, some situation. It's a small part of it. You're right. But they made the decision. I think it was the righty righty versus righty lefty thing. Carpenter had just yeah. hit a home run. But I agree with you. My first thought was it's a no brainer. And the Cubs uh, play by play, uh, color announcer Bob Brenlin, who, by the way, yeah. would like to be the manager of the Chicago Cubs or a manager somewhere, but nobody's hiring him right now. He said the same thing. Um, yeah, walk, you know, Molina's the veteran. Take your chances on Matt Carpenter. I don't care if he hit a home run last time up at uh, FiredaleSwaim.com. Did not make that decision, and Yadier Molina made him pay, big dumb. Yeah, and uh, in the future, I, I, don't, I don't know what Yadier Molina's numbers are in the clutch, but I remember seeing something like a year ago, like when the, like in September. It's about how whenever the game's on the line, that's the last Cardinal you want to face in their whole entire lineup. And this isn't something new. It's been like this for like five years. Seriously, mm-hmm. we, we you talked about. It. I think it was like three years ago. You were like, I'd rather see Pujols than Yadier Molina with the game on the line. Yep. I don't know what it is about that guy. Guy's he's a pros a, pro. Yeah, Yadier Molina. You, we talked about Paul Konerko with the Chicago White Sox just being. You know, no one's going to say he's the greatest player that ever played the game. He's really, really good, and he's just pure. Professional. The more I watch Yadier Molina, he may be on the arch rival St. Louis Cardinal, but I'm a sports fan. First big dog, a homer second. I appreciate quality people, quality players on the other side. Yadier Molina is a class act, plays the game the right way, and uh, just just a pure professional, the ultimate compliment for a ball player. Yeah, and getting back to the Cubs, the other day they started like acting like they were going to steal. They started stealing. They were acting like they were buttons. Even Yadier Molina, this great guy that we just, you know, we talked about how great he was, Coach. We, as Cub fans, we gave him his, his due. He had two pass balls in an inning the other day because the Cubs were pressuring and, you know, taking big leads and stealing. And it, uh, that had to have something to do with it. I've never seen Yadier Molina, you know, make a mistake that bad, let alone have two pass balls in an inning. It's mm-hmm. never happened in his career. So, yeah. you know, it's. This new style, like we're, we've ripped on Swain for some decisions, pitching the Molina, blah blah blah, all that other, all that other stuff. But this whole attitude of executing with the bat in certain situations and being ridiculously aggressive on the base path has benefited the Cubs so far. I, I, I like that part. The the defensive switching, I am not a hundred percent sold on a hundred percent of the time. I know there's some guys, yeah, you got to do it, but. I, 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 th- I think they might be trying to be smarter than their own yep. good sometimes with the defensive switching. Yeah, we'll you, see. I, I have, I'm not sold on it yet, Coach. They're going to have to prove it to me. I'm sold on it, but you're right. You can you can overdo it, too. You can overthink things. So maybe they just need to uh, you know, take a deep breath, do a f- couple of Kegel exercises, and get back to reality. But I think the switching, for the most part, is innovative, and it's unique, and it will work. You just got to, you know. Take it with a little grain of salt. Don't overplay it. Don't overthink it. Again, our phone number here, Cub fans, you want to check in? Leading off with baseball today, we'll get to NBA playoffs. Got a little White Sox talk, baseball, round them up, and wrap them up as well. Dog and the coach at your service here. 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open. Dial it up. Want to hear from those Cub fans. Happy thoughts, sad thoughts, or anything in the vast in-between. 888-463-6748. Big Dog, got to mention the defensive plays. Not play, but plays of Mr. Ian MacArthur Stewart yesterday. He made a couple of stabs, and I just want people to understand, when you throw the ball from his knees as he did, basically you're twisting and you're throwing all arm body. And Big Dog, he not only made the great stop, a couple of great stuff, Brooks Robinson-esque, but he effortlessly 
and accurately threw the ball from his knees from deep third base to first. I don't think people realize. Maybe you can attest to it because, again, you're a man who's played at the highest level except high school, college, and pro. How long that throw is and how strong an arm Ian Stewart must have. Yeah, I played third base in high school. I know you keep on ripping me from my high school career, but well, uh. Intramurals or actual? That's a long, a long throw, coach. <laughs> a long throw. And it's funny you bring up the in store, because I was gonna, like, if I, if you were gonna talk about him, two things about yesterday's game. He continued to make phenomenal defensive plays, and yet there were two plays that I, I don't expect third baseman to make, but I've expected him to make him this, those this year, and he had two balls ricocheted off his glove off a of dive yesterday. So it's almost like, I was like, wow, Ian Stewart didn't make a phenomenal play. It's, I actually had that thought about it yesterday. That's how good of a defensive player. I, I, I've watched every Cub game this year. I've watched 85% of the game so far. And Ian Stewart is playing at a gold glove level third base, third base wide, period. He's that good so far defensively at third base. That's why those two rocket shots in the hole that deflected off his glove yesterday, one of them actually led to a run for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't give him an error, but it's just like, wow, he didn't make the play. I mean, that's that's how I feel right now. Like with Jonathan Quick, he allows a goal. You're like, did he not make a spectacular save on the play? You're, you're shocked. No question about it, but uh, his arm was impressive. But you're right, a couple oh, yeah. of those plays. I guess that's the the negative of greatness is you come to expect that on a regular basis. When you don't get it, sometimes you're disappointed. But that's really a, kind of a backhanded, pardon the punt, compliment to Ian Stewart has been outstanding. Field. But no, it isn't a backhanded compliment. It's just, you know, it's just like, wow. He is, I, I just hope he starts hitting because he is so good defensively that if he can hit 260 with 25 home runs, what he was supposed to do for the Cubs, and drive in 80 runs, he will be like yep. an ideal third baseman for yep. them is what I'm saying. Coach. Big if. Big if, but you're right. The, the last two numbers are particularly good. 25 ADR, homers. Yeah. In yeah. 80 RBIs from our third baseman, that would help us uh, make us forget the bat of Aramis Ramirez. No question about it. Now, one of the disappointing things, Big Dog, we talked about the bullpen, and really, you know, James Russell, he was pretty good. Came in and, and he gave up a run, but it was a Matt Carpenter home run, give it up in the eighth inning. But, you know, again, it was a tight ball game. In comes Kerry Wood, and, you know, we love the guy. Love the guy, despite his little blow up last time out. Total class act throughout his professional career, but boy, the Kerry Wood struggles continue. Tight ball game. In comes Kerry Wood. First of all, I think both he and us expect the worst when he comes in now. That's a problem. Uh, and immediately it was what? Four balls and a walk. And then he walks the second bat. He got out of the inning on a double play, luckily, with only one run given up. But again, he blew the lead. Two walks leading off the inning. The Kerry Wood struggles continue, Doug. Uh, you know what? I think at some point there, he's been put into so many pressure pack situations in a row and has failed. That uh, don't demote him. You know, just get somebody else up in the seventh inning for a change. You know what I mean? Uh, the whole point was he's supposed to work his way back in. I, I don't think he definitely has not pitched well at all this year, and I don't expect to pitch him to pitch well the next couple times he goes out. But yet, like a lot of pitchers, and especially people with arm troubles. Sometimes it takes them a little bit to get their their arm going. The guy was suffering through like shoulder stuff and all this other crap two weeks ago. Well, every oh he's done. He's no, he's not done. Okay, but he's not ready to pitch in a pressure situation yet. Here he was. Okay, and it, you know, and I've made a little bit of fun of him, and it was basically just about throwing the glove. But you know, 
after a while, the, the way people are talking about Terry Wood, like he's absolutely horrible and he's a bad human being, that's ridiculous. People need to calm down on the Kerry Wood hatred. And Dale Swain can't pitch him in a presser situation for uh, at least a couple outings until he proves he can get his stuff right. And if he doesn't, I don't know what the Cubs are going to do if a month from now he's still pitching as poorly as he is. Because mm-hmm. they, they're really counting on him for, for big innings this year. And I, who are they going to count on at that point? Yeah, you look Cam, around for a Carlos Marmol, he's in the DL. You look around for a Sean Marshall, or the last time I checked, he's wearing a Cincinnati Reds uniform. So the Cub bullpen already wearing thin. Now, there's no rest for the weary. They're back at it today. In another, it's a strange week. Two-game series, two-game series, and then, of course, the City Series. So they're taking on Philadelphia, but big dog somewhere in the next couple games. They need a complete game from a starter to give that bullpen a little bit of rest. Uh Matt Garza is the most likely to do it. Now, Shark, uh, Jeff Samarja has that in him every once in a while where he can just, you know, keep the ball down, throw strikes, people make a lot of contact. Uh, one of them are going to have to do it for us because I don't expect, uh, Chris Bolstead to do it. Is all, is all I'm saying. That's <laughs> don't we don't expect a complete game from him. And the, Dempster just started two starts ago, so mm-hmm. it might be a while before we get to him. He's pitching in the, the, what do, you, uh, what do you call it? The, the City Series, though. That's when Dempster is going to start. Yes. Yep. White Sox uh, taking on the Cubs. That will be at Wrigley Field, uh, correct? At Wrigley. And the first one's at Wrigley. For some okay. reason, it always seems to be at Wrigley, then mm-hmm. uh, the South. All right. Should be a lot of fun this weekend. Of course, we got the uh, conjunctation with the NATO Summit. I'm not sure which is more important, Game 2 of the White Sox versus the Cubs. Critical game, no question. Arch rivals. Or... The 38 countries sitting down to discuss a world problems. Uh, you probably got to give NATO the slight edge, big dog, but I would put Cub Sox in a very, very close second. And if the Iceland prime minister does not show up, I might put Cub Sox first. Your thoughts? Uh, well, I know that's the biggest real contentious whether the Iceland prime minister shows up or not. Yeah, actually, it's the uh, Pakistan guy. Pakistan, not part of NATO, correct, David? But they've invited. Ali al-Sharif, I don't think that's his actual name, but close enough. Ali al-Sharif has been invited to attend Big Dog to see if uh, NATO can smooth over some relations with Pakistan and maybe open up uh, the gas lines a little bit, if you will. Why? So you can so you can talk to the Pakistani government, they say one thing and do another? They've done nothing to ever <laughs> prove that they can be trusted. But let's face it, look at the whole history of the Pakistan. I'm not talking about the Pakistani people. I have Pakistani friends. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be hanging out with one tomorrow. Okay, mm-hmm. but the Pakistani government is one of the least. The North Koreans, at least they they when they walk up to you, they have the middle finger extended. Okay, the <laughs> Pakistani they have the palms extended. Okay, do you know what I mean? And then yeah. as soon as they let you in, they they harbor a, a terrorist for you know a year. All the stuff they've done in the United, it's ridiculous how what Pakistan has done to the United so States. So why can't the why can't the wonderful Pakistani people that you uh, refer to and some of those Pakistani people, uh, listeners, fans of the Two Guys in a Mic show via the Internet, we are emanating out to seven different continents, Big Dog, as well as parts of uh, Glen Ellen and Outer um, Aurora as well. But why can't the fine Pakistani people then get people in Pakistan to represent them that are equivalent to their uh, quality of persona? Well, uh 
there there is a, an issue throughout the whole world that we can pretty much say that the 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 elected or elected uh, the people that are running the countries of most people in the world aren't exactly for the regular person in those countries. So mm-hmm. uh, Pakistan is definitely one of the worst right now uh, in terms of you cannot trust whatever the government is saying to you. And so, some of I these mean, countries, the uh, Arab Spring, great example, what's going on in Russia right now, there is uprisings of various turmoil in some of these countries, big dog, but in Pakistan, you don't hear about the general public. Uh, it's pretty status quo in fact. Yes, that's the mm-hmm. point I was trying to make. One of the most densely populated countries in the world, Coach. Seriously, it's it's, it's not that big for having uh, like 400 million people. Mm-hmm. Like the, It's like the size of Virginia and having as many people uh, in the United States, more wow. than the people in the United States, or that just about as many. It's like, that so. would fall under the quali- uh, classification of densely populated. Big dog, as we look ahead... 71 days into the uh, summer games in in London, is there any Pakistani teams that have potential contention <laughs> for uh, a medal in London? Uh, I don't know if they have cricket as a uh, as a sport, but you know, I, uh, because I don't have I don't have a I don't have a car. Okay, so I have to take cabs a lot. So I know a lot of Pakistani people, and there's uh, I'm actually am invited to a cricket tournament. And some of these guys are like, you know, you'd be really good at it, especially, you know, because they saw me catching a, a softball one day out there in the park. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to these guys and said, hey, you guys Indian? And they got all upset at me. Okay. And then they let me know that they were Pakistani. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they really got upset about it. And then I got into the whole uh, your government can't be trusted discussion with them. Uh-oh. And they and then they were saying the same thing about me. And then we started talking about the dealings of Pakistani and U.S. relationship. And I was like, oh, my goodness. It's, it's really, really ugly. And uh, it's it's uglier than you might think, Coach. It's like uh, uh, this like Pakistan has been trying to build a nuclear weapon for years. We always talk about Iran, but yep. it's, what we have to worry about is Pakistan too, because they're trying to build a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. And even my buddies, not my buddies, well, these guys that I met were talking about it. Scary, scary stuff, Coach. But cricket is a gentleman's game unless they're playing India. And I'm actually going to learn that game. I just I have to bring enough beer for three days, is what they tell me. <laughs> Extra innings can go, huh? Yeah, that, it can go a long time, they said so. Yeah, I defy any sports talk show out there to jump from uh, in-depth analysis of Ian Stewart and his defensive abilities in the Chicago Cubs right into Pakistani sports and political relations with the smoothness, the adeptness upon which we just did, Big Dub. Very, very well, impressive. Now, you're the one who brought it up. I mean, no, I'm, I'm complimenting. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sticking our chest out a little bit. I defy any other sports show to do, to make that quantum leap. With the smoothness that we just did, you built a beautiful bridge between the two uh, non-related entities. Now, cricket. By the way, there's a group of Occupy that are saving up their feces and urine for the NATO uh, summit. Just to let you know. Not sure I needed to hear that. Okay. All of a sudden, the bridge just had a few uh, bumps in the road. Um, <laughs> the game of cricket, though, is getting more and more prevalent in the Chicago area. You drive around now. Yes. Into various in. communities, as I do, as I get lost looking for, you know, basketball tournaments and I show up to the wrong location. It's unbelievable, Big Dog. Where we used to see kids out playing baseball and, you know, softball, maybe a little bit of soccer. You drive by parks now in the Chicago area. If it's not an organized game, now there's an organized Little League, 
But I, I would bet if you drive around to some of the local parks and you look for pickup games or just kids messing around, you will see more cricket games than you will see kids just having an impromptu baseball or softball game. Wow. I, I, I would I would love to do that to you, with, with you. We should actually do that with a camera. Just go searching out parks around the Chicagoland area and see if we see more people playing cricket. Tell uh, you know, I've seen cricket being played in Naperville big time because there's a huge Pakistani community. Well, they're not huge. Some of the guys are really tall. Like one guy's <laughs> like six, seven, but most of the people are, are, are pretty slight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's cricket being played all over the place in Naperville. The field I used to umpire at all the time. You drive by now, and I even know one of the board members there is like they softball leagues have been canceled. Nobody plays anymore. And you drive by all the time, and the game of cricket is going on, and there are people with tents and sleeping bags out there. So apparently your uh, three-day-long game is not much of an exaggeration. You know, I'm not lying about that. It takes a long time to yeah. play those games. Yeah. So like, they'll start on Saturday morning at, like, 7 a.m., and they'll <laughs> play through, like, late on Sunday. That's so, so that's just ridiculous. It that's, takes them forever to play the game. That's a and long game. you got to like have 180 a... to, like, 120. Back here, Bobby just emailed and he wants to know, doesn't that wear out their bullpens? I know those guys, uh, it's crazy how they have to do it. It's not like baseball at all. You know that, Coach. It's like yeah, you, you just have to touch the sticks I, and it's, you should I, get a lot of hits is the best way I can say. If, yeah. if you're somebody, it's the exact opposite. Like if you're in baseball, you get a hit three out of ten times, you're really good. Well, in cricket, you got to get a hit like seven out of ten times. I think the comment from uh, back here, Bobby, I'm hoping was uh... – uh, with tongue firmly implanted in cheek, big dog. Well, if it's tongue firmly planted somewhere, hopefully it's a cheek. <laughs> 888-463-6748. By the way, I got to tell you, I made my, uh, and I know you umpire uh, and referee games on a semi-regular basis, but I made my umpiring debut last night for the summer of 2012. Kind of excited to get back out there, big dog. I don't ref basketball anymore. So a bit about an eight-month layoff. Nice day yesterday. Beautiful day. I'd been kind of cooped up a little bit, so I was kind of looking forward to getting out there with the boys, get a little exercise. So heading over to the park, as you well know, I'm assuming Aurora's weather not that much different from ours, at around 6, 7 o'clock, an absolutely gorgeous day, started to turn somewhat ominous. Yeah. All right, so I get out there. Well, first of all, the uh, head umpire told me the game is at 6.45. First game of the year, I figure I'll get out there a little bit early, 6.30, get out. Nobody's there. So I'm waiting around. Finally, people start shouting, oh, no, the game's at 7 o'clock. Oh, jeez. You know, I left something. I rushed over. So that's one. And then I was assigned to do a 6.45 and 8 o'clock game. I was informed by the field supervisor, no, that's wrong, too. You're doing three games, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and 9 o'clock. All right, I'm off to a great start here. All right, so finally, we get the game going. First pitch. First pitch. By the way, one-on-one count. You ever, you ever umpire those leagues? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're about. Man, do those games go quick. Yeah, every every single one I I, I umpire, it's one on one count. Okay, okay. Most of no, the no, it is. No, it's not actually. No, it's not. Yeah, most right. of the leagues are not, but I do a few that are one on one count. Boy, does that keep the game moving? I'd love to see Major League Baseball one on one count, first fall ball for two strikes, you're out. Wouldn't that keep the game moving? Yeah, it'd be one to nothing every game in the twelfth inning. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyhow, so all right, so after all the other mess up, so first pitch comes in, perfect strike, batter lets it go, strike two, and I'm like, I raise my hand, like, all right, another season off and running, lightning in the background, the little kid who's the supervisor, about 18 years old, that's it, 20-minute delay. 
So one pitch, and I got to call the teams off the field. 20-minute delay, we come back on the field, next pitch, we restart the game. First pitch, he swings, fly ball out to the outfield. I jog out there, make the out call. Ah, we're back in it again. Another lightning, which none of us saw. Supervisor comes over after the second pitch. Up, off the field, 20-minute delay. So that was my umpiring debut for the year. Wrong time, wrong amount of games. Two pitches, two 20-minute delays. The rain came, we went home. (laughs) How's that for a day at the office? Oh, and the players, they were all mad at me. Come on, up, we can play that. Like, you know, it's out of my jurisdiction. I can't do anything. It's yeah, only... You know, don't those, those people crack me up. I, now, yeah, I get paid 29 bucks an hour. The last thing I want to do is not get paid that $29 after coming all the way downtown and setting up all these bases, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yep. Okay. I had one more game to go, and I was like, okay. well, And it was kind of late. And next thing I know, I smelt it. I'm, I'm like, you know, it's going to start pouring rain here in a second. So, like, the game started, and this one team's up, like, 12 nothing. It's, like, the third inning. And I called the game. I'm like, game is done. Uh, it's going to start raining here, and I collect all the bases. And one of the guys on the 0-12 to 12 team is about to bat, and he starts, like, MFing me, coach. Okay? And he's, like, <laughs> and, like he's this massive dude. I don't, I don't know what it is. Yo, man, massive. He's, like, and he's, I'm, like, the only time I'm, like, you know, I'm, like, do I have to, like, watch myself? Oh, the first time I felt uncomfortable as an ump. <laughs> Next thing I know, while he's walking at me with a bat in hand, Right behind him, it, there was a lightning. Okay, this was at the park that's at Jackson and uh, Ashland. It's mm-hmm. right on the west side. But there are guys that we just hand beers to all the time so they'll leave us alone. And, and immediately, right when the game is done, they all collect all of our aluminum cans and, and bottles and they return them <laughs> in. Okay, so this is one of the roughest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Oh, oh boy. And, uh, they were like, hey, you the ball-headed dude that no one is afraid of. You're the one doing this. And I'm like, seriously? They're like, yep, you get this one. And uh, but he always hooks me up, so I really can't complain that he put me in the roughest. Right when this guy's walking over me, lightning hits. I am not kidding, a block away, right in the middle of Chicago, right behind him. The guy dropped his bat, and I'm not kidding you. Everybody dispersed and ran at full speed. It was one of the funniest things. So people are <laughs> arguing me why is this game being called and lightning hits less. I think I've told you the story. Less than a quarter mile away. Yeah. Well, and what uh, they forget too is if we continue the game and there's lightning. And if something were to happen, potentially, who knows, in this uh-huh. litigious society of ours, but potentially we could be held liable. Yeah, exactly. It's my fault. It'd be my fault. Yeah. And yeah, and ha- have fun trying to collect uh, bones for me. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure we could find a jury of your peers, Big Dub, but it would take some doing. Believe me. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was out of there. And that, <laughs> plus, I was on a bike. I was riding a bike and. A lightning storm. That was a lot of fun for me that night. That's uh, not a, recommended. A back on my back. Definitely not recommended by the American Health Association. But we oh. move on. We talked a little Cub baseball. White Sox had an adventure of a negative kind. Big deal. They jump out to a six to nothing lead and then a disastrous, disastrous sixth inning. Jake Peavy blew up. Will Olham too. Uh, eight runs in the sixth inning and they end up losing ten to eight. That's a tough one to take for the, uh, not falling, but how about staggering Chicago White Sox? On on Monday, we talked about how Dempster for the Cubs has been awesome. He gets handed a four-run lead, and he heads it right back. You know, Jake Peavy has been phenomenal, one of the best pitchers so far this season in the American League. Yep. And he hasn't gotten that much run support, a lot more than Dempster has gotten. But all of a sudden, he gets handed a 6 nothing lead. You know, I switched to that game. I'm like, oh, this game is over. I paid no attention to it. Start going back to the hockey and watching uh, LeChoke and the Heat lose. 
And next thing I come back and I'm like, the Tigers are winning 10 to 6? How the heck did that happen? And then, uh, well, no, that was earlier in the day. Was, but uh, did you, I mean, I don't know what it is about the Tigers and the White Sox. Did you see the last inning? The White Sox made it a run. They had, to, they had a chance to actually win the game. Uh, Diantha Sayedo hit a fly ball to, to the wall. And if you would have heard Hawk, did you happen to see the last out of the game? Coach? I did not. Well, if there was two runners on base. If the ball goes over the fence, White Sox have a walk-off winner. And uh, Brennan Bosch catches the ball along the fence. It would have hit the top of the fence. It would have been a double and two runs would have scored if he Oof. didn't catch it. Wow. And it was stretch, 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 stretch. He said stretch at least four times at the top as long as when he caught it. He yelled out the biggest, dang, come And then you heard, like, papers rustle. And then, and then Steve Stone is basically has to pipe in now, and I guess someone – has told Steve Stone that when Hawk Harrelson loses it and can't speak on the on the television, <laughs> that he has to speak now. Because let's face it, Stone let him wave in the wind that one day. Because when it's the play-by-play guy's job to describe stuff, right? Yep. Well, when the walk-off home run by Johnny Peralta happened for the Tigers last or like ten days ago in these great Tiger White Sox games so far this year, Hawk didn't say anything for sixty-three seconds. And Stone didn't pipe in because it was Hawks' turn to describe what happened. So Stone just sit there and let him melt. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, you're Mr. Cliche. Well, I, and as it happened yesterday, Stone pipes in. Well, that's – and he had to, he described everything after so, the dad on it. So somebody so had I a little think, somebody had a little talk with the two of them because, uh, yeah, Hawk Harrelson, when things go bad for his team – That was team, the two of them because Harrelson shut up again yesterday after the dad on it. He didn't say anything for a while, and it was Stone that had to come in – that's so unprofessional, Coach. If you can't describe what's going on on the television or yep. on the field to the people watching on television, mm-hmm. you should not do your job anymore. Hawk Harrelson should retire if that's what he's going to do. You know, he's fine. I like listening to him, but I'm laughing at him, not with him. I mean, legit, I watch the games, and it's entertaining to me because I'm like, this guy is so bad, he has no clue. Well, I would disagree with that. I think at times he can be good, but it's the old front-runner persona, and that is when the team is going good, when they're having a good game, he's a very good listener. But when they're having a rough game, he just shuts down. It's, and it's horrible. He's not a professional. That's yep. my point. He's not a good announcer. He's not a professional announcer. But then again, his checks do clear, so I guess I, I should just Base is loaded. White Sox lead by two. Big clutch situation. There's a drive in a gap. Two runs in. Winning run in, Tigers win. No, no, he doesn't even say that much. Hey, used the Peralta to. home run, he, used he didn't to. even say anything on the Peralta walk-off yeah. home run. Yeah, that's right, bad. right. And then he just shut up. And Stone's like, okay, finish. And didn't say a word. He's like, oh, well, it's your turn to say home run, Tigers win the game. But he mm-hmm. just waited and waited. <laughs> All right. By the way, A.J. Persinski got five hits in that uh, particular game, the 10-8 loss. Uh, to the Detroit Tigers, and the White Sox start their own little two-game mini-series, taking on the Anaheim Angels at Anaheim Big Dog Gavin Floyd. He's been pretty good. Goes to the mound against Jerome Williams. Most of the fans out there listening, not familiar with Jerome Williams or Ronnie Santo. If you could, tell us a little bit, Ronnie, about Anaheim pitcher Jerome Williams. Uh, a former Cub. Really? Former Cub, Patrick. And uh, when he was here, he loved he loved my uh, uh, fresh oven pizza that you can buy, Ronnie Santos fresh <laughs> oven pizza in the really? in the stores out there. He loved it. Yes, absolutely loved it. Huh. That, that explains Williams. the extra poundage. 
Jerome Williams was a guy that was horrible everywhere. The Cubs picked him up, I think, in 2010 to uh, just fill a gap when uh, – I, I forget who got hurt, but they, they weren't in any contention, and they needed just a fifth starter that wasn't going to be absolutely brutal. And he came in and was bad, and he did his job. And then they traded him <laughs> to the Anaheim Angels, who needed him uh-huh. desperately because they were in a pennant race, and they needed a fifth starter who wasn't just going to get him killed. Like you, you spent, They weren't going to throw Chris Bolstead out there. They actually cared if they won those games. And uh, he went out wow. to Anaheim, and he went like 7-0. and oh. Do you remember that? The Cubs traded a guy, a career journeyman that was horrible his whole career. Jerome Williams goes out to Anaheim. In his first start, he pitched a no-hitter into the ninth inning, and then he won his next six games after that. He was 7 Wow. And that was oh. last year? No, like two years two ago. Two years ago, okay. Let him go. uh-huh. So he's, he's a journeyman. I would love to have had his baseball career. He's probably got like he's probably like fifty and seventy in his baseball career. So. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. Better analysis than usual than we get from Ronnie Santo. Thank you. The, there's actually well, I, someone on my. I don't know if you were a, a tweet friend. I don't know what the correct term is. I'm still new with the Twitter world, but I've got a Twitter uh, disconnect with a gentleman known as the Ghost of Ron Santo. A disconnect? What he unfollowed you? No, I actually it's a connect. But, oh, you followed him. Yeah, you need to follow Ghost of Ron Santo because he comes I, up. With... I've been following Ghost of, of Ghost of Ron Santo now ever since. Uh, that was one of the first things that uh, uh, David Olson followed 100 people for me. That's how we all started. That's how it all started, and I got like 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 10 followers out of it ever since I'm up to 215. But Ghost of Ron Santo and I, we've been on board ever since. We we've, we've been like yeah. this, Coach, and I'm. Man, I got my fingers as far apart as possible. You start following some of the people that Dave Olson follows, you will start getting strange gift certificates in the mail, Big Dog, to places that send you into areas you might not want to go to. Guilt City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Real quick, baseball round them up, wrap them up. Sox lose, Cubs lose, 888-463-6748. You want to talk some baseball, Big Dog and the coach at your service here on a beautiful mid-May Late morning slash early afternoon here, 888-463-6748. We start off in the American League, Big Dog, Cleveland. The Indian knockoff Minnesota 5 to nothing. Derek Lowe, yeah, he's still pitching. He pitches, um, I think, a complete game shutout. Uh, Su Shin Shin or Sin Shu Shu? Shin Su Chu. Forget forget Sin Shu Chu. Derek Lowe threw a complete game without striking anybody out yesterday. Wow. Was not aware of that. It's, it, it, I don't know when the last time it happened, Coach. They didn't have the stat for that. Wow. But it's the most ground ball outs recorded. Nobody has pitched more ground ball outs in a complete game since uh, 1990 because he had 22 of them. Joel Pinero also had 22 in a game in, in 09. No so, strikeouts in a complete game shutout. Yes. Woo. Has there ever That's been, awesome. I'm going to guess no, has there ever been a no-hitter done without a strikeout? I would – I'm going to – I'll have to look into that. There's been about 250 no-hitters in the history of baseball, and I'm going to say that would – I would almost say that it has to be a no, but who knows? I mean, a complete game, back in the day, if you're talking about a no-hitter that was pitched in 1900, it is – there is a possibility that that happened, Coach, mm-hmm. but there's no way since 1920 on yep. that has ever happened. 
Okay, that's it's just it hasn't happened in the last ninety years of baseball. By the way, after I read that we we haven't talked a whole lot of Cleveland Indian baseball, my guy has Drupal Cabrera, by the way, uh, with a home run in that game too. But I just peeked over at the standings. What the heck's Cleveland doing this year? They're in first place, big dog. Twenty and sixteen, the Cleveland Indian playing uh not dominant, but very good baseball here, surprisingly. Do you remember at the beginning of last year when everybody was saying that, hey, this is a pretty good Indian team and this could be the year that they have a winning record and maybe have possibly contend for the Central. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, when they when they did when they weren't ready and they were still too young, people forgot about them and they they forgot that this is basically the same team that everybody predicted last year. But the problem was that this year the Tigers uh, signed Prince Fielder, so that's the only difference. If the if the if the Tigers don't sign Prince Fielder, people would still be like, hey, look, they got Justin Masterson. You know, they got a pretty decent rotation. Their bullpen's okay. If you think about it. One of the few teams in baseball that actually have a closer going into the season and a closer that hasn't imploded yet. Mm-hmm. And they got a pretty decent lineup. I mean, if Travis Hafner is healthy, they've got a basher right in the middle of their lineup. I and mean, the guy can still flat out hit. So, and they've got a nice young team around them. So, there's Drupal Cabrera, like you just said. And, mm-hmm. and don't forget Carlos Santana. So, she's probably the third best in catcher in all of baseball right now. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Uh, Boston. The Red Sox, who about a week ago were hitting the depth, the depths have bounced back. Now they've got five wins in a row. They beat Seattle yesterday five to nothing. Speaking of bouncing back, Josh Beckett, big dog. We haven't had time in our limited one-hour sports talk show to get to some of the Josh Beckett travails the last couple of weeks. But suffice it to say, uh, been a rough, rough couple of weeks for Josh Beckett. He bounces back last night, seven innings, nine strikeouts, five in a row for the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I think he only allowed like one run or maybe no runs. And the Red Sox are, are starting to bounce back, Coach. And that is one guy just, you know, you think he'd be smart enough. But, you know, he's been on a couple World Series winners. He's always been clutch. You know, but he, he's one of those guys that has never really gotten a break. He's always up and under scrutiny. And I guess it's because the guy parties. But let's face it, he's one of those guys that, you know, drinks a lot. Like he goes plays golf with his buddies when he's on the you know missing starts you know so it's it's one of those things where you know he's clutch but he's kind of like the John Daly of baseball mm-hmm. you know and he's also like the John Daly of baseball he'll go four starts where his ERA is point eight you know for four starts and then he'll go two starts where he gives up six home runs and his ERA is twelve during that time. By the way, Big Poppy also had a, a home run in that game, but the Red Sox pull out a victory. That American League East big dog, going to be fun to watch. Baltimore knocked off the Yankees yesterday, five to two. They still, the Baltimore Orioles lead the American League East. You got Tampa Bay at twenty three and fourteen, tied with Baltimore. New York, Toronto still playing some good baseball. The Red Sox, even though they're a couple back, they're a threat. You literally have five teams. That could still win that division. I think it might be the most fascinating of the divisions thus far. Uh, it absolutely is. And the whole thing is Baltimore has definitely made it the most fascinating because I don't think uh, – I think the two biggest surprises of the division is that Boston is bad again, or, well, who knows, like we just said, they could be turning it around, and the fact that Baltimore was on top of the division. They, they've been in first place. More days than anybody else in the national than the American League East mm-hmm. has so far. So, uh, if you think that they have five teams that actually think they could win that division, that doesn't happen very much in modern day baseball anymore. You know, and that would be kind right. of cool if we're talking in August and all of them 
are, you know, five or six games apart from each other. That would be really, really cool. It's going to be fun to see how it matches out. We're not quite a quarter of the way through the season, but we're getting close. We're getting close. Baltimore Orioles knock off the Yankees yesterday, five to two. We HN. Did I get that pronunciation correct? The winning pitcher? Yeah, that was, that was the first time I've ever seen that guy pitch. I watched a lot of that game yesterday. It was him versus CC Sabathia. And let's face it, CC Sabathia got outpitched yesterday, coach. By we N? Yeah, he, the kid was phenomenal. The strike zone was the size of Rhode Island, though. That was, that was the one issue of the game. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Yankees, um, we all know they lost Mariano Rivera for the season. The guy who's filling in for him, Dave Robertson, who's done pretty good, one or two blown saves, but overall pretty good. He got injured. A left oblique muscle. He's on the DL, big dog. So now they've got to find the closer for the closer for the closer. Well, Rafael uh, Soriano, who, which is one of the funniest stories in baseball, Brian Cashman didn't want, he was the GM. He didn't want to sign the guy. But Hank Steinbrenner, George's son, came in and basically says, you know what, uh, you're signing Rafael Soriano and you're going to give him 30-something million over three years. And Cashman's like, I, I disagree. He's like, I'm the GM of the team and, and we don't need the kid. Well, he's the closer now. so And he's been <laughs> bad with the Yankees. So we'll see who's smarter, Hank Steinbrenner or Brian Cashman. Because Apparently. Steinbrenner did. He's like, I'm afraid Soriano's going to get hurt. So hey, help me out here. I'm, I'm having a semi-mind blank. George Steinbrenner, did he? Pass away? He did. Yes, he, yeah, he did. He passed okay. away uh, right after they won the last World Series, Coach. So it's been a couple of years? Yeah, it's been a couple of years. Okay. It's been like two years, I would say. All right. little baseball round them up wrap them up big dog and coach style here in the two guys at a mic show. We don't do it every day, but uh, we try to do it as close to every day as we possibly can with time limit, time constraints of forcing us down again uh, the baseball round them up, wrap them up. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight is our phone number. If you want to check in with the dog and the coach, a couple of news and notes, titillating tidbits off the baseball front. Big dog, I don't think we've mentioned, but uh, NFL teams are having their rookie camps, including your very own Chicago Bears, who I think have signed all of their top draft choices, and that's the earliest that they've ever done that in recent years. Yeah, and it's going to continue to be like that forever. The way the whole NFL collecting, uh, collective bargaining agreement went, basically, players know what they're going to get when they're going to get drafted or where they get drafted. So there's, if you're going to sit out, you're just basically wasting your time. The the new collective bargaining agreement says that if you're under contract or you're, or a draftee, that you better sign and get in a camp or you basically just screwed Mm -hmm. yourself for your whole career. And that's no joke. That's why if Matt Forte doesn't sign by July 15th, he's going to be absolutely screwed. So just everybody out there, uh, yeah. that's, that's like the number. That's the whole new culture bargaining agreement is you get drafted and they're, they're basically like, here's your contract. Okay. You want more money? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll give you a hundred thousand more over those four years. And, and, and when you're talking terms of multi-million dollar contracts, that's like chunk change involved in it. So Khalil so Bell from forever. That, that was one of your biggest complaints and you were right. We're the holdout. You just got drafted. You've proven nothing. Take the money they're giving you. And that we always say that that's not an issue anymore in the NFL. Right. And if you hold out now, you're a complete moron. You then you should not. If you're <laughs> if you're a junior and you hold out, you shouldn't win pro. Okay. And if you win pro, I mean, if you're a senior and you're holding out, you're just dumb too. Because just get in the camp. Get in the camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the graduated pay scale. 
Uh, if Forte is not in camp, by the way, uh, taking a page from the John Lucas III, uh, verbal battles, from what I understand, Khalil Bell has told everybody it's my team now. What can I tell you? I hope he does. No, actually, Michael Bush is obviously the, the running back for the Chicago Bears. What about so, my uh, guy, I, Khalil I, I'm, Bell? I'm so, I'm, what has Khalil Bell ever done for anybody to be excited about him? Khalil Bell is a third-string running back. He never did anything at UCLA. He is a third-string running back in the NFL. Anybody counting on Khalil Bell to make any type of performance for the Chicago Bears this year is going to be truly disappointed. Well, I'm 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 counting on him. I'm I'm not counting on him as a feature back, but I think Khalil Bell's had some very nice games, done quite well. A little bit of fumbleitis. But for the most part, I think uh, he's got me excited on more than a few runs big. I'm not saying he should be the lead guy, all kidding aside, but I do think Khalil Bell was absolutely a quality NFL backup running back. Yeah, I had a little bit of the shingles once. <laughs> yeah, well, if you fumble, Coach, come on. What? I, did, I wasn't even thinking of that. There's a, this whole, it's just funny. I've heard a lot of people excited about Khalil Bell. It, we have Michael Bush and Matt Forte. Why would anybody? If Khalil Bell is getting any carries, we should be. It should be one of two things. Heck yeah, we're winning by thirty. Or are you kidding me? Why is Khalil Bush getting any? Or Khalil Bell getting any uh, carries when we have Forte and Bush? That's just how. I, that's my feeling. Yeah. Last time I checked, Michael Bush wasn't exactly a good running back, but he's not the second coming of uh, Emmett Thomas or Tony Dorsett either. So let's no, not. No, 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 no. He's not. He's just Michael Bush. And he is a short yardage running back for the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when Khalil Bell starts actually producing, I will be happy. Okay, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll I'll tip my hat to you and be like, you're right. More importantly, you're inside people. You've got people that have been at some of the uh, OTAs, the rookie training camps. Anybody looking impressive? I know it's early. It's kind of ridiculous to speculate, but the speculation is what we have have fun doing with here in the sports talk radio. Any of the rookies looking good thus far? Uh, I, I can't mention anything on that, and I really could care less because they're playing air. And what I mean by playing air is they literally are just lining up and running down the field and throwing the ball around mm-hmm. and just learning the, the plays the most basic way. So, so these rookies are learning the terminology. Oh, when we when we say right green, that means I go to this part of the formation. It's it, it's so simple after you learn it. It's not like difficult whatsoever. Apparently six-round uh, pick Brandon Harden has been looked very good at the safety spot versus air. Backpedals well. And he was a second-round pick, which would be really cool. No, Harden was a six-round pick, I think. The kid out of Oregon State that didn't play last year, that six foot three, two 270-pound corner that's going to play safety that they picked in the second round. <laughs> the guy that they picked him the Ah, whatever. The point okay. is, the point is he's looked extremely good against open space. That's really good. Uh, you know, uh... <laughs> Jay Cutler yesterday uh, yes, was flat out talking. The only thing that yes. I will take out of yesterday's practice yep. is Jay Cutler said, it's really nice to be able to audible. He's like, we were going over our audible calls, our hot calls. The Bears haven't audible in two years because they had the freaking idiot Mike Marks as their head coach. <laughs> We're going to win this game. They've already won one more game because Mike Marks is no longer the head coach. I mean, the, the offense coordinator for the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. And don't say it's, I'm piling on because it's been proven after two years that the guy was a freaking idiot. When they hired him, the first thing I said was, I can't believe they hired a freaking idiot as their offensive coordinator. The guy well, never won a Super Bowl as the head coach of the, of the St. Louis Rams when they had more talent than any team in the NFL. But so, just, you know, to put it in perspective, he was following 
Terry O'Shea and John Shoops, who were both eminently unqualified. Then came in Ron Turner, who wasn't eminently unqualified. He was just unqualified of the vanilla sort, who had no creative play. So when Mike Martz came in, many of us said, you were right, Big Day, you were correct. But most of us, the 99%, the occupiers, we all thought, finally, finally we got a real offensive coordinator with an intricate offensive system. Boy, did that blow up in our face. Mm -hmm. The 1% was right. And yeah, that's you were. I'm not. I'm not a, we things are new. We have an offensive coordinator now that realizes that he isn't the smartest man on the planet. Okay, Mike Mars thought he was the smartest. No, I call this play. It's going to work. Well, they're they're blitzing away from the play. Like all this other crazy stuff. He did not allow color to audible. You want to know why color almost got killed for two years? Because he couldn't audible. You go up to the line and you're like, oh my goodness, they're blitzing right there. We don't we don't have this protected. Well, I got to get rid of the ball. Well, you, it's pretty difficult, okay? It's, the whole, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Nobody can overload one side. Nobody can overplay something because they know the bull, the Bears aren't going to audible. That is, that's no longer going to happen for the Chicago Bears. So if all of a sudden you get three guys and two gaps on a, on a third and 12, because they say, hey, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to totally burn this team. Oh, and by the way, Brandon Marshall is in single coverage. You better audible to get the ball to Brandon Marshall because he's not co- double up on the outside. All this stuff is going to open up for the Chicago Bears this year. On they, that I, note, big dog. Destroyed this team for two seasons <laughs> offensively. On that note, we got to wind it up. Well put. Well said, my friend. Love the passion. Love the knowledge. We'll talk tomorrow. Be safe out there, big dog. Great job today. Later, everybody. Hey, ho, two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, signing off. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't you be late.